Sound Words, Christian Magazine, Volumes 71-80. Republished by Irving Risch, host of Down-to-Earth but Heavenly-Minded Podcast. Meditations on the Ark of God. The Ark at rest and in heaven when the Ark was brought from the house of Obededom to Jerusalem there were praises to Jehovah the God of Israel from those the king had chosen for this service. Whom David set over the service of song in the house of the Lord, after that the ark had rest, the three chief musicians, Heman the grandson of Samuel, Asaph and Ethan, 1 Chronicles chapter 6 verses 31 to 44. Besides, Aaron and his sons offered upon the altar of the burnt offering, and on the altar of incense, 1 Chronicles chapter 6 verse 49, so that the worship of Jehovah centered in the ark of God. This was the anticipation of what would be set up in the temple in the days of Solomon, and typical of the worship that now centers in Christ who, in heaven, rests from his journeyings in this world. After Solomon had built the house of God, he assembled the elders of Israel, and all the heads of the tribes, that they might bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion, 1 Kings chapter 8 verse 1. It was a great occasion, with all the men of Israel assembled, and all the elders of Israel came, and the priests took up the ark. How good it was to see this great congregation united in their homage to the God, with his ark as the center of their thoughts and movements. Our homage to God can only be acceptable to him as Christ is the object before the heart, directing all our movements for his pleasure. The inner shrine of the temple was the oracle, and here was the prepared place for the ark of the covenant of the Lord, 1 Kings chapter 6 verse 19. The walls of the oracle were of cedar, carved with knops and open flowers, and all was covered with pure gold. It was a shrine of beauty, and a fit resting place for the Ark of Jehovah. Besides, there were the two cherubim, made of olive wood, and covered with gold, their wings touching each wall, and their faces turned towards the house. The cherubim on the mercy seat looked down upon the blood that had been sprinkled, witnessing the redemption that secured the glory of God's throne, but the cherubim in the temple looked outwards, witnessing the results in glory that had been procured through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, for everywhere was the gold that spoke of the glory of God. It was into this holy shrine, the priests brought, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord unto his place, into the oracle of the house, to the most holy place. Even under the wings of the cherubims, 1 Kings chapter 8 verse 6. Do we not see in all this a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus entering into heaven after his journeyings through this world? He has left behind the scene where he was despised and neglected of men, and has gone into the presence of his God and Father where all is glory. In holiness he once passed through a world where all was opposed to God and defiled by sin, now he has entered the holy place to rest from all his work. This also looks forward to the coming day when Christ shall reign as King of kings and Lord of lords, when the cherubim of his glory shall overshadow the whole scene. Where a king shall reign in righteousness, and where no evil shall be permitted to raise its head. There is even now the testimony to Christ in God's presence as having entered there after his journey through this world, for the staves that once bore the ark are now still and seen from without. Moreover, there was nothing in the ark save the two tables of stone, which Moses put there at Horeb, 1 Kings chapter 8 verse 9. In the coming kingdom when the Lord reigns as the true Solomon, Christ shall sit as priest upon his throne, but there will not be the exercise of his priesthood as now towards a people passing through a wilderness, which is seen in Aaron's rod that budded. The pot of manna is not for an earthly people, but for the saints with Christ in the paradise of God. It was when the ark had rested, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. Like Moses, when the tabernacle was reared, the priests are unable to remain where God's glory dwells. For man under law cannot bear the brightness of God's glory. It is very different now under grace, for we can gaze into the glory in the face of Jesus, and his presence shall be our dwelling place forevermore. 
Solomon is seen at his greatest on the day that the Ark of God was brought into its place. His prayer to Jehovah, after his address to the people, was answered by God, for, when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven, and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the house, 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verse 1. What a sight for Israel that day, when their king stood, before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel, and spread forth his hands, 2 Chronicles chapter 6 verse 12. And then to see God's answer in the fire from heaven and the appearing of his glory. This would surely remind those acquainted with God's word of the day when, Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation, and came out, and blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. And there came a fire out from before the Lord, and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which when all the people saw, they shouted, and fell on their faces, Leviticus chapter 9 verses 23 to 24. Whatever the impression made upon the hearts of Israel that memorable day, the Spirit of God would surely direct our hearts to the time indicated, when the true Solomon will reign on earth. And the glory of the Lord will be seen in him, the Son of God the King of Israel. The glory of the Lord will be in the midst of God's earthly people, abiding there, because the true ark, after all his journeyings, entered into his rest. While Jesus was on earth, the divine glory was here, John chapter 1 verse 14, but the glory could not remain in a scene where death reigned. When the Lord returns to this earth, after his present session on high is over, death will no more reign, righteousness will reign, and the glory of the Lord will center in Jerusalem and fill the whole earth, Numbers chapter 14 verse 21. At the close of his prayer, Solomon said, Now therefore arise, O Lord God, into thy resting place, thou, and the ark of thy strength, let thy priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation. And let thy saints rejoice in goodness, 2 Chronicles chapter 6 verse 41. These words are very similar to those of Psalm chapter 132 verses 8 to 9, 16, where there is the prayer to Jehovah to remember David, and all his afflictions, and God's answer to the prayer of his servant. The millennial day, foreshadowed in this scene, will indeed be a rest for God and his people. But also for the ark of his strength. It was the one in whom God's strength was manifested that made it possible for Jehovah to enter into his rest, the rest that remaineth for the people of God, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 9. At the Jordan, where the waters fled, at Jericho, where the strong walls fell, among the Philistines, where Dagon fell and was broken, the ark was seen as having the strength of Jehovah. Solomon had allied himself in marriage with Egypt, and because of this he felt that nearness to the God of Israel was not the place for his Egyptian wife. Therefore, Solomon brought up the daughter of Pharaoh out of the city of David unto the house that he had built for her. For he said, My wife shall not dwell in the house of David king of Israel. Because the place is a holy, whereunto the ark of the Lord hath come, 2 Chronicles chapter 8 verse 11. Egypt will have its own peculiar place in the millennium in association with Israel, as is written in Isaiah chapter 19 verse 25, in that day shall Israel be the third with Egypt and with Assyria. Even a blessing in the midst of the land, whom the Lord of hosts shall bless, saying, Blessed be Egypt my people, and Assyria the work of my hands, and Israel mine inheritance. Still, Egypt will not have the place of nearness to God's holy place that he has given to his people Israel. The priesthood will belong to the sons of Zadok, they shall come near to me to minister unto me, and they shall stand before me to offer unto me the fat and the blood, saith the Lord God, Ezekiel chapter 44 verse 15. However blessed Egypt's place in association with Israel, as a nation they are still in the distance from Jerusalem, and, like the other nations, are obliged to go up to Jerusalem, from year to year to worship the king the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles, Zechariah chapter 14 verse 16. Then there is the specific threat for Egypt, and if the family of Egypt go not up, and come not, that have no rain, there shall be the plague. 
wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles, Zechariah chapter 14 verse 18. Near to Israel geographically, and having once sheltered God's people in time of famine, in the days of Joseph, God remembers Egypt, and gives them special blessings. But the place of peculiar nearness to himself and to his king belongs to Israel. Unlike the bride of Solomon, the bride of Christ will not only share his kingdom glory, but will rest with him in the Father's house, in the nearest place of intimacy and affection with himself and with the Holy Father. In the days of Josiah, the ark had left its resting place, and was evidently again carried on the shoulders of the Levites, for the king said to the Levites, Put the holy ark in the house which Solomon the son of David king of Israel did build, it shall not be a burden upon your shoulders, 2 Chronicles chapter 35 verse 3. How very sad it was that amidst all the vicissitudes of Israel's history, Jehovah's rest was broken, he could not rest in a scene where his people were marked by indifference to his claims and to his holiness. When Jesus was on earth, he said to those who sought to slay him for healing on the Sabbath day, My father worketh hitherto, and I work, John chapter 5 verse 17. God's rest, on the seventh day of his work, had been broken by the entry of sin into the world, and the rest offered by Solomon had also been broken by the entry of idolatry among his people. Jeremiah faithfully warned God's people of the judgment that was about to fall on them because of their having forsaken the Lord their God, but he also foretold the blessings that would be theirs under the new covenant. Judah had fallen into gross idolatry, but maintained an outward semblance of respect for the name of Jehovah. His name was on their tongues, but their hearts were far from him. In the coming day of glory they would no more in hypocrisy say, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 16, thinking God's holy Ark to be some kind of amulet for warding off their evils. Poor Israel thought they were safe from the judgment foretold by Jeremiah because they had the Ark and, the Temple of the Lord, Jeremiah chapter 7 verse 4. But God required conduct in keeping with his holiness if they were to remain in the land. On account of Israel's sins, the temple was destroyed, and the Ark of the Covenant is found no more on earth, but in Revelation chapter 11 verse 19 it is written, and the temple of God was opened in heaven. And there was seen in his temple the Ark of his Testament. Although Israel had grievously failed, the God remained faithful to his covenant, and, indeed, through the blood of the new covenant, would bless his earthly people in his sovereign goodness. Here, in Revelation chapter 12, God is about to take up his ancient people again, and in the closing verse of chapter 11 this is introduced by the presentation of his temple and his ark. It is because of God's goodness, and the faithfulness of Christ, the true ark, and his work upon the cross, that God can fulfill all his will for the blessing of his earthly people Israel.